Jaylon, how are you today? How you doing, brother? I'm, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you on. Good, good. I'm happy to be here, happy to testify and fellowship with you brothers. Thank you very much. So, um, the first time I saw you, actually it was a video. Okay. And in the video, you were in a boxing ring. And uh, it's funny that you weren't throwing any punches. <laughs> <laughs> so why were you in that boxing ring, Jaylon? So, um, part of my journey in this walk, you know, with Jesus and uh, our Savior, I um, I would listen to this radio station, and uh, a Christian brother was ran by a Christian brother. I think his name is uh, Jonathan or Rob Del Ritchie. It was John John Del Ritchie. John Del Ritchie, and uh, he has a he has a radio show Saturday mornings, and um, it's about current events from a Christian perspective. Hmm. And so I used to catch it every Saturday morning, and he would um always advertise the. Saturday morning Bible study at I think I believe is legendary boxing gym yep. in North Providence. Yep, Jared Tillinghouse. So I told myself, yep, with Jared, brother Jared Tillinghouse, he um he allows us to go in there and fellowship and Bible study. So um, I told myself when I get a chance, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go there. And uh, one of the brothers I know knows him, and they asked if I can give a testimony. So you know I'm always ready to encourage and testify for God. Mm -hmm. So so I, I was up there, man. And hopefully glory was brought to him. I'm sure. Now, when I heard you, and and I I've gotten to know you a little, you know, I was I didn't even know you at that time. Mm -hmm. I just saw her. And I'm like, oh, look at this guy, and um, I've gotten to know you a little bit. I don't know your true, true story. That's what we're going to get down to today. Exactly. But uh, if I was to uh, describe you in one word, I would say passion, wow. passionate. Because mm -hmm. when you speak about your faith, speak about God, maybe whether it's in prayer or just speaking about it. Um, I just I just see the passion. Amen. Amen. Uh, have you ever t uh, thought about being a pastor or a preacher or anything like that? Because you'd, be, you'd it, be good at it. It's crossed my mind, but I've seen I've seen some brothers that that went, and then there's some brothers that sent. So <laughs> so I don't want to be the one that just went. I, I want to make sure that calling's on my life, and right. and if that's God's will and plan for me, and that's what He has blessed for me to do, I just pray I have the courage to pursue it. Amen to that. So. Uh, you touched about your life a little bit in that, that testimony that I saw. So you've gone through some trials in your life, hard times. So let's definitely let's uh, start. Let's bring it back. Okay. Okay. Let's uh, talk about uh, your youth, mm -hmm. teenage years. Yep. Yeah. Where you're from. Okay. Uh, where you come from. Maybe family surroundings and that. Okay. So definitely. So um, I'm 28 and uh, I come. No, my mother, my grandmother raised me. I have. Four other siblings from my mother. My dad has 16 children all together. Wow. He's a, he's a busy man. He's a busy man. <laughs> didn't, have, didn't have cable, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, got a pretty big family. And um, I grew up in the household with my grandmother, my mother. My, my mother was a teacher assistant for about 20 years. My grandmother was in the um, education field for a while. And um, so, you know, professionals and... Uh, and my father was there for, for, for some time when I was younger, but then him, him and my mother split up. But he was always in my life, more so like a disciplinarian until I got older and then we grew a bond and, you know, we've been growing ever since. But, um, yeah, so growing up, man, my, my mother and grandmother made sure we had everything on our back. And uh, up until the age of 12, I lived in Cranston. We lived in a beautiful um, three-story Victorian, nice. beautiful neighborhood, Edgewood. Right down the street from oh, the yeah, Texas yeah. Village. Uh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. Good place to raise a family. And um, just 
me and my brothers and sisters, we knew the neighborhood like the back of a hand. We probably knew the neighbors' yards better than ours. <laughs> and it was just a beautiful thing. And um, so I think around 12 years old, our house burned down. So my mother ended up moving back to Providence. And uh, around that time, I believe I started, around 13, I believe I started smoking weed and selling weed. And um, it was gradual, but uh, I think we had a big part of me going down the wrong path and then taking on group, groups of friends that really didn't have my best interests. And I learned early on I was a follower than a leader and easily influenced, but I don't use that as an excuse. So I would try to impress people that was around me. So um, again, I, I, I started smoking around 13 and I started selling weed kind of close to around the time I started smoking it. So I learned how to make a quick buck and get addicted to that. But I didn't have to sell weed. My, again, my, my, my grandmother and mother were ready to buy whatever we needed, whatever we wanted. We, we were spoiled to say so. So when I started selling weed, that's when I started getting in trouble and falling back in school. And before, I used to want to play football and basketball. Sports was a big interest for me. But I feel like weed took a lot of that ambition away from me. And then wanting to make money so that my, my, my desires became different. But um, in this process, I always I always believed in God, but I didn't have that personal relationship that that God seeks for us. So when we come to God and we seek God, God's always going to point us to His Son, you know, because the only way to God is His Son. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, the life, and no any man come to the Father has to come through Me." Amen. So in that part, and I I say I, I always knew God existed because my father's a man of faith, and um, he used to go. They still do. I believe it's still open. It's a small Caribbean church on Union Ave, and it's real, real small. And um, Sunday mornings, he'll bring his kids there, and half of the half of the pews will be full of my dad's kids. <laughs> 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 <That's his> kids. <laughs> yeah, so, so I always knew God existed. So, but around 13, I started getting in trouble with the law and started slow falling back in school, and then I started getting into training school sentences. And but I start I was still hustling, still selling drugs, and. What did you get in trouble for, for training school? I think the first time I got in trouble for was possession of stolen property. Um, a kid in school stole a cell phone, and um, for whatever reason, like an idiot, I was like, you want me to hold it for you? I knew, they knew, we knew they were looking for the phone. I'm like, I'll hold it for you so you don't get in trouble. So then he goes to the, he gets called to the office, and he, he tells me he has it. <laughs> <laughs> so I get in trouble for the phone. Oh, that's so where it started. That was the first running with the law. And then gradually, it just it kind of getting more extreme and worse. And then I then I graduated to selling the crack, and you know making more money. So now I'm 15, 16, and I can buy what I want. I don't you know I don't need for nothing. And it's a good feeling, it's a powerful feeling. And and the girls, that's what the girls I liked. They were attracted to. So I just felt on top of life. And I believe I um I believe at 17 I got um caught with narcotics, uh, I believe the charge was uh, manufacturing with the intent to distribute. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so. Um, that was, was that crack? That was crack cocaine. So, six, I believe 17, and uh, the judge, instead of doing a training school sentence, the judge said, all right, I'll allow you to go to Oceanside, which is an alternative program. They have a few of them. And the judge said, yeah, lucky man, this is like the Harvard of programs. So I was like, ah, as long as I don't got to do a training school bit, it's like a, being able to avoid jail. Right. But it's um, enclosed, enclosed program. But it was a real good program, and um, 
but uh, that wasn't enough for me to change. And what was your family? What, what did your family go through during this time? Did they know that you were? I mean, have an so idea. My mother knew. My, my mother had. She 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 had she had a family. She seen a change, and she seen me start getting in trouble. And but the way my mother was, she was just like everybody called her mom. Mm-hmm. And she was a school teacher in the inner city in Providence. So most of the kids I hung with, a lot of kids were her students. Oh. So everybody knew my mom. I loved my mom. My, my my mom's household was kind of open for everybody. She would cook. She would feed you. Right. So. If I really wasn't out running around, we would all be at my house chilling. But my mom gradually seen a change, and 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 I, I believe she had an inclination. But um, I think in her mind, not to justify it, but she felt like, well, as long as he's not outside getting in trouble, I can have my eye on him here. So I was in the streets. I felt that like she was more comfortable with me at home. Mm-hmm. So when I started getting in trouble, of course, yeah, she was she was she was livid, and my grandmother was livid. My dad. Again, around that time, he was really <clears throat> only my my disciplinarian, and uh, you know he was in my ear. But I remember, matter of fact, I think the first time I got in trouble, I took my mother's car for a joyride. <laughs> so this is before the phone. This the is phone. This is yeah, the phone. This, this is matter of fact, a little after the phone uh, because right, the right. phone I was in Parkview, mm-hmm. so this that was in UCAP, and uh, I don't know what what night I was up, and I was talking to. A girlfriend, I was like, I'm gonna call you back, and I just, I thought it was a good idea to take my mom, to teach myself how to drive. <laughs> uh, well, God bless your mother. You're a handful, huh? Handful. <laughs> so she had a big old, old, one of those old navigators. You see them on the oh, road. They're like wow. the, the yeah. biggest thing on the road right now. <laughs> so uh, I jump in it. I take it around the block, and I see somebody I know. So I'm trying to look cool. I'm like, oh, what up? What up? And uh, and I took my eyes off the road. There was a car coming out, oh, a tourist coming out of the driveway, and I and I. And, and we collided. Oh. It was a collision. But there was nothing wrong with my mom's car. He incurred all the damage. I took over. Oh, man. Uh, it was a block away from my home. I get home. I park the car crooked. I go home. It's hard for me to go sleep, but I get to sleep. So uh, the next morning, me and my mom were going to work. My mom's taking me to school. She's going to work. And uh, she noticed the car's crooked. <laughs> So like, why is my car like that? I'm like, I don't know, mom. You must have parked. Messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so again, there was no damage. There was no visual damage on the truck. And uh, Lord forgive me, man. I put my mom through a lot, man. Bless mm-hmm. her soul, man. But I just, I'm thankful for salvation and the way He redeems us, right. the ones that need it, and we all need it. Absolutely. And um, so we were backing out. She went to turn the wheel, and the wheel started rubbing. So that was the damage. So mm-hmm. She doesn't say anything. She hears it. She was like. I hope my car's not messed up. So we take off. She used to get a coffee every morning. French vanilla cream, three splendor. I, I, I remember her coffee. Medium <laughs> ice, right? And um, a car, a car pulls up behind us. He gets out and he said, um, you hit me, you hit me, you hit me last night. And I'm like, oh, man. You don't have good luck. I want to ask you a question. When your mother found out, did you incur damage? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I, I incurred some damage, and um, so long story short, the dude lived down the street. At the end of our street was a high rise, and he was going to his mother's house to tell her what happened, and he ended up seeing the truck. Mm. So he followed us, and that's what happened. So they were police report, I got arrested, or whatever, whatever. But back, fast forward to me going, getting locked up for possession of crack cocaine with the intent to distribute. So now I get sent to Oceanside, mm. and it was a blessed program, and I wished. That was a wake-up call for me. I wish it was like, you know what, I'm 17, I got to get my life together, I got the world at my feet, you know, I got my youth, and it wasn't. Now, as far as the program, what now, 
you said it was a good program, blessed program. What did what did it involve? With, uh, so it was a year program, and um, I I went there with my GD. I was if not the first one of the first kids to go there with a GD. So when you go there, you go to school there, and then after it's chores or whatever, and then activities. But so it's a program. It's an alternative from training school. Mm. And uh, but they keep you active. Um, they allowed me to work instead of going to school. They allowed me to work. They would save all my money. So I was I was pretty busy. But and so that was a year long program. And then after six months, it's called group living. There's about 30, 40 kids, and then you get sent out to different um, group homes throughout the um, the towns, Providence, Cranston. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of more like a house structure. And then you go, they have another school or you enroll in college. But six months into that, I catch another child. Sure. Now, there was this an existing, some, or did you, did you do something? So I, I, I break the law again. Okay. But so this time I'm 17. So I was 17 when I caught the charge. Um, excuse me, when I caught the crack. I was six months later, I was eight, two, months, two months out from my 18th birthday. Mm -hmm. But I was on a home pass. And um, me and my friend, he had a firearm, I had a firearm on me, and um, no good reason. And, but, and when you look for no good, no good happens. But I can't say a particular reason, really just wanted to be cool, right. known what people like it, what, what, what people interest, wanted to be known as that kid that, that, uh, that carries guns and, and makes money. I wanted, I wanted to live up to that image, and more so was living life to impress others. Right. So um, me and a friend, I forget where we were going, we were going to somebody's house. And uh, we were walking, there was, there was, there was a cut where you used to go to when we came out, and um, a detective just going down the street. Once again, bad luck. Bad luck. Wow. <laughs> bad luck. Life of crime was not yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be for anybody. But, uh, so we lock eyes, and we both stop. And, uh, so you know, you know what, we know what, they're carrying illegal firearms, and I'm on a home pass, I just, mm -hmm. six months removed from a charge, and, and um, so the officer stops, he opens the door, he doesn't jump out immediately, but he um, continues to ask us questions, and uh, then he jumps out. So when he jumps out, it's a foot pursuit. Yeah. So in my, my head, like, I can't go back to change school, I can't go oh, Right. I, I, I'm getting away, I'm right. getting away. So it's a foot pursuit. So when I turn around to go to run, I bump into, I bump into the individual I'm with, and my shoe comes off. No. So. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, good luck. My shoe comes off, so we start running. He goes one way, I go one way. So I, I'm digging in the cops. My ain't gonna chase the kid with one shoe. You know he's probably slower. <laughs> <laughs> now to this day, as we speak before the Lord, to, to this, this day, day you tie your shoes. Yeah, 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 right. Amen. <laughs> but to this Double day, knots. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why the cops started firing his weapon. He and started firing. Firing his weapon. Wow. And I got shot. Really? So in the midst of the pursuit, I, at first I hear him say, um. Stop, stop, you know, and I'm thinking, I'm not stopping, I'm getting away. Now, at this point, he doesn't even know you have Right, that's my, that's my question, too. Wow. So, but, but, so I'll this was a province of Queens. Province detective. So, I'll try, try to expound as much as I can with, with, with all, with, with what I know that could have happened, or, or why, why he acted, reacted the way he did. So, but, so his first commands were stop, stop, and then it was stop or I'll shoot. So, when I hear that, I'm like, can't shoot me, I'm running, you know what I mean? Yeah, you get back turned towards him. Back right? towards. Yeah. So boom, we get across the street, we go into another set of backyards. I jump a fence, stop or I'll shoot. And I'm like, nah, he's not gonna shoot. He starts shooting. Wow. He starts shooting, he starts firing, I get hit in my arm. So now I'm trying to clear another fence and mm. I cleared it from without my feet. I just put my arms on and jumped over it. So now I get hit my fail, I'm like, ah, oh, 
man, this is turning out bad. So I tried it when after I got shot. Then I tried to clear the other fence, but my arm gave up. And I get caught up on the fence. Now in the midst of that, when I started running, I immediately just grabbed my waist so so the gun does the weapon doesn't fall. So I only knew where they found the weapon when we were in training school going to trial, when evidence was being it, um, put into court and added as evidence and they were showing pictures I was I was able to put together where they found the weapon. So the we I had and I had jean shorts on, so it must have fell out before we got into that second backyard. Mm -hmm. And so I get apprehended, I go to training school, and now, now I'm looking at all this time. So um so I was charged with firearms charges and two assaults on a police officer. So the officer said in the midst of the pursuit, I turned around and stopped twice and pointed my weapon at him. Mm -hmm. So, did, did you that. did you actually do that? No, sir. Again, as we speak before God. So, um, so, so that's what he said to justify his actions. So for a long time, I was bitter. Oh, cops are dirty, this and that, da da da. And it wasn't until I got saved, I I, I felt like I started looking at the. The situation more rational. You know what I mean? It could have been many situations. Why he fired? If he think he saw a weapon? If the kid I was with pulled out his weapon, started running? I don't know. These are these are things that that could have happened to transpire. Why he ended up firing his weapon? I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say he, he fired for no reason. I think in his mind he had justified reason to fire. So for a while it was all these all these shootings and these cops are dirty. But it was just me. So more so thinking out of a person uh, a place of bias because I got shot and I didn't know I got shot. Right. But it could have been plenty, many reasons and I'm not saying what he did was right. All I'm saying is what was going through his mind, I don't know. 100% sure. Again, to this day, I don't know 100% Well, I, I know you've matured. I can tell you. You're obviously far away from what you, you know, the where you were. And I know you're trying to play devil's advocate, but it doesn't sound like he should have Certainly doesn't seem. It didn't seem like he had just cause to fire a gun at a seventeen-year-old kid running I away. Think he's he's saying it from maybe his peace of mind. I understand. To say, I understand. Nothing to do about it. I'm gonna. I didn't mean interrupt you, but I, I, oh, I no, just because you brought up a bell. I, I like both aspects. So so I kind of feel like I take the center kill, and for again a while a, lot, a while I had hate and resentment and anger. But you know, it could have been many reasons, and I and I I'm, I like to stand on the side. Most police officers go to protect and serve, but then it's that that bad that bad group, you know, the bad. Apple I agree. Group. So, again, so now I'm looking at this time. I get waived. I'm um, so getting waived means you get, you get waived out of juvenile court to adult court. Mm -hmm. You were 18. I was 17 at oh, the time. 17. Two weeks out from my 18th birthday, oh, wow. so they waived me. But but when I had caught the 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 crack the crack cocaine offense. They put me on juvenile, oh, there's a word for it, FOC. I forget what it stands for, but it means you're on juvenile probation until you're 19. So I ended up doing eight months of training while still going through all this. Excuse me, I guess. Bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. you just wanted a blessing, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good way to Keep sneezing. So I did eight months of training school, and finally they waived me. So now I'm in a dope course. The dad get waived, my dad bails me out. So now I'm on bail for about a year, and the year's coming up, and we're going to trial. I go to trial, and um, I lose. Now in the midst of this, I start drawing close to God. You know, I'm like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in some stuff. I need your help, and you know, I'm praying, I'm praying, but as I'm praying, I feel like a hypocrite because 
I feel like I'm under calling on God because I'm in the tight situation. I need him. Mm. So I'm like, all right, then I got to start cleaning up things in my life. And I was selling weed again. Mm. I gave all the weed back to my boy. And uh, I had a friend live with me. I told him he smoked weed at the time. I wanted to quit. I wanted to slow it down. I told him, bro, you got to go. You got to, you know, make it on your own. So I just started going closer to God. And, um, he had a different plan. I wanted the plan to be I beat the charge and, mm. and you know, he get the cop gets convicted, but it, that wasn't the case. So I get I lose trial, go to trial, lose trial, sentence, forty years or twenty to serve. Wow. Nineteen years old. I couldn't believe it. In shop. In shop. But but looking back, I just had this this assurance in my heart, like, you're gonna be high. You're gonna be alright. And I'm looking at time, but it's gonna be a that, That's not excessive. That's not an excessive amount of uh, so 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 time legally. They so it was ten years. So an assault with a deadly weapon carries a minimum of ten years, unless you plea out. I took it to trial, so they had to give me the minimum, and it was two assault charges. So ten and ten. So they gave me forty years. It was forty years altogether suspended. I had other charges too, the, the firearms and. So it ended up being twenty to serve. So with your other charges and your 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 records and your they probably wanted to make a statement. Absolutely, right? absolutely. My word against the problem, detective word and so yeah. So twenty years of sentence. And um so now I'm in intake and um I'm like, God, I trust you, I trust you. I don't know when I'm gonna go home, I don't know if you're gonna overturn my kids, I just trust you. So now I'm just drunk close to God and you know? I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm trying to apply what the Bible says, and I just had a peace in intake, and intake intake center is, is one of the worst buildings to be in. Because you had everybody coming in and everybody coming in and out is unstable. And, yeah. It's 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 uh the the it's probably it's only like I would say tw you get two hours of wreck out the day, so you're in your cell all day, and it's not made for it to be a, a, a living quarter. Right. So and how long were you actually in the intake? So I was in intake for six months. Uh -huh. And usually it's longer than that, but I was already, um, I already had lost trial and I was sentenced three months in. So after you're sentenced, you pretty move quick. So it was about five and a half months. Um, then I go right to ma maximum security. So you went to maximum because it was a, a firearm. Um, also, I think just because it was a hefty sentence. Okay. So, so you, I believe you can go to medium with a firearms charge, but it was more so because of the lengthy sentence. I went straight to maximum. At maximum. 19 years old. Maximum that's, security. That's no joke. Maximum security. Yeah. Man. But I expected it. But again, so now I'm walking with God, and I'm like, whatever, wherever you put me, God, I trust you. And um, so you would think I'm, I'm walking with God, everything's right. Now I get to maximum security, and it's full of 19, 20, 20 year olds, double life, triple life, just no hope. All the kids I was in the streets with, I grew up with, all the kids I was running with, they were there. So I fell right back into that. Easily influenced, wasn't my own man yet, couldn't think for myself. I fell right back into that. But right. I mean, in that environment, I mean, especially like you said, like you're, you're new, mm -hmm. Christian, you're, you're not, yep. you know, grounded yet. And um, in a place like that, it's like, sure, like, yeah, every man for himself and... And you gotta survive as well. So. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, just I grew up with and wanting to catch up with them, and then catching up with them turns out to hanging out with them every day. So now their problems are your problems. So now I'm getting into fights. Now I'm getting an argument with police officers, and now I'm getting caught with contraband. So it was a rough first four or five years of my sentence. You know, in and out of in and out of segregation, and 
Was there any rehabilitation at all? Man, it's, it's tough, man. They say, so for me, I think they hold these programs in high regard. They think these programs are just going to snap and turn around a person of 19 or 30 years of criminal living that, boom, this one program. But I think you got to come to terms with yourself and you want to change. And when you want to change, you'll start taking advantage of whatever beneficial programs they have. Right. Because if you take the programs and you still have the, like I heard somebody say, you come in jail and you get you either get better at your craft or you just get better. You, you, turn, you change and, and you right. get better for the, for the better. So if you're not willing to change, it's that environment is depressing. And from a spiritual aspect, just a, a dark spirit is over that, is over that, that, that building. And, and it's tough, man. It's tough. And you got to be mentally strong. You got to know what you want to do. If you really want to change, you got to start taking the steps yourself. So that light switch for me didn't come off, go off until maybe four and a half years into my sentence. Because I know, like speaking of myself, and, and you can relate to this, is... A spiritual walk with Christ is difficult, and every day, yes. to walk, every everyday life, yes. can't even imagine in that environment. It's tough. That's man. that's it's it's real tough. It's extremely tough. So I fall back into that. So it's not until four and a half years in, into my sentence, just upon I feel like upon sincere self-examination and reflection. There was meant, there was a few reasons, but the biggest reason I turned back to God and was just like, Lord, I need you. Was like, if I get released, Lord, I feel like I'm gonna be nothing and nobody without you. Mm. Like, God, I need you. Like, I'm looking back on my life. I don't have the biggest thing I have to show for being 24 is a is a GED. And I'm like, wow, 24 years old and the biggest thing you got to show for you. I'm like, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Was there a group in in the, in the prison that? Was that Matt, or was there a any sort of uh, Christian base? Yes, there was. So, so um, as soon as you get to that building, there's a brother named Brother Wesley Spratt. And if you ever did time in prison in max or medium security, there's an 85 percent chance you know who Brother Wesley Spratt is. So as soon as I get to this building, this brother comes up to me, you know, automatically you're suspicious. Like, who's this older? Right. Guy? Yeah, on God and my fight, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And he said, excuse me, brother, can I talk to you? And I'm like, all right, so I'm watching his body, man, what's up? And he's like, listen, my name is Brother Wesley Spratt, and I've been preaching the word of God in here for 20 years. He said, you can ask about me. He said, I got a few questions for you. Do you have soap, deodorant, toothpaste, everything you need? And I was like, for the most part, I'm good. He was like, all right, we got some brothers in here that's real serious about the Lord, and we just want you to know God loves you. He said, second of all, have you ever before received Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, I have. But when he said, I immediately convicted I'm not living for God at this time and I went to intake and I had this peace in my heart even though I was just facing I was I'm sentenced to 20 year sentence I'm like God I trust you but now I'm so far from you so I was immediately convicted but I felt good to know there was another man of God just in the midst of darkness he was the shining light 20 years he told me he was serving God I just blew me away so that always made me keep an eye on him and we had a, a small relationship as far as talking was he a lifer he was a lifer He's still serving life today. So, um, and uh, he, he gets added more to the story and into my walk further down the line. And um, but that's just part of God's providence. And, and God's providence is meaning God ordains things and sets things up at the right and exact and perfect time. For us, it's the perfect time. He's outside of time, but 
And so he brought him into my life at the right and perfect time. But that was my initial contact with him. And if you're anybody new to that building, he makes sure he comes up to you and asks you those questions. To him, saving souls is serious. God bless him. We believe wow. in heaven and hell. And to him, it's, 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 it's an urgent message that the good news is real. That we all have sinned, we all have fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a Savior, and that Savior, Jesus, is the good news. So he takes that, that message urgent. It's amazing for a man doing life, he's going to die in there, to produce fruit like that for the kingdom of God. And, and, that, and, that, and that's, that setting, and that's... If anybody has a reason to be bitter, that um, would be the person that would have up. a reason. Yes, give, give up. up. Yep. And, and you guys are so right, because... Again, I was saying that the spirit of darkness, like, there's some good dudes I met in there. And, and to man's standards, to society's standards, they're probably the worst of the worst for the crimes they committed. But when you get to know them, these are some genuine guys. And, you know, whatever whatever street they were, whatever they, how they were living in the streets and cold they abided by and, you know, gruesome stuff. But aside from that, like, oh, these are genuine dudes. And... But a lot of them have no enthusiasm and no hope. And, like, we can be talking and laughing, like, yeah, yeah, that was funny. Like, there's just no hope for them. They, the only hope for them is freedom. And a lot of them feel like it's not going to happen. Right. So just the spirit of just, I like to say, like, melancholy. Just, you know, and it, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. So, um, so, <clears throat> so Brother Wes asked me that question. I'm like, yeah, I know God. I know God. Da, da, da. So fast. <clears throat> All right, fast forward from that. <clears throat> I have that waking up moment like like God I need you so at this time I had rolled into CCRI and I wanted to get serious about um, my education I'm like I'm doing all this time there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to get my AA degree so um, and then an older cat told me a brother I used to build with he said listen we have all this time in here there's no reason why you shouldn't get straight A's you have all the time you oh, need yeah. to study and I, that just stuck me I'm like he's right like, why should we settle for B and C we got time on our hands let's utilize it so I started taking school serious, and um, um, for a while I didn't like school. When I was in school, it was just hard for me to focus, real hard for me. My mind wanders, wanders even today. Like if I'm in a class and it's a lecture, it's lecture based, I can only grasp so much. Probably the first three sentences and the last few sentences. Then I know I gotta go home and hit the books. That's right. how I study. That's how I retain knowledge, and you know that's how I learn. Right. So in the process of me going into school and setting these goals for myself, like I want to get the social degree, I want to get good grades, I had to rewire my brain and, and teach myself how to focus, teach myself how to study, and that came with a lot of self-sacrifice, so instead of like, if you got to study out here, a lot of times you might just want to kick back and watch TV, or you might want to go to the gym, or, and it's the same thing in there, like even though you have time on your hands, there's other things you can be doing, Besides their priorities, like going to the gym or going to the yard or going to use the phone. So I had to sacrifice time to make sure I'm going to get in these books and study. So that's around the same time I was like, God, I need you. Like, God, I need you. So now five, five and a half years into my sentence, five years into my sentence, and I get reclassified to medium, which is a lower grade housing building. And, I, and things is looking up. I'm in all the classes I need to get. And in the ACI, you... um. You can earn good time. You get 10 days a month, and then you can earn good time from taking classes. So you can get up to 17 days a month. So essentially cutting your bid in half if you stay out of trouble. All right. So if you get in trouble, they can take that from you. But how hard is it? It's got to be difficult. Right. So I, I'm, you I'm thinking. You have your mind made up. Right. I, and, then you, and also you can't abide by the social constructs made up in prison. It's like for a while I hated that B word because in prison, if that word said it, you have to fight on the spot. If not, 
people are going to disrespect you, your bid's going to be rough. So those are things you adapt in that environment because you want to survive, you want to be treated with respect and dignity. So <clears throat> if you can stay outside of things like that and let that not bother you, you have your game plan, you're focused, and you don't care what people think of you, you can stay out of trouble. But I'm sure, like, even if you sometimes even staying out of trouble, I'm sure trouble can come to you. Absolutely. So, but, but there's few people that have that mindset. I don't care what you say or, you know what I mean? The majority have that mindset. And, and, and violence is only, you know, responding with violence or violence respects violence. So it's hard for you to stay out of trouble. I would say that, definitely. It, it's hard. It's hard. And even like, and then so you have, then you're dealing with other, off, some officers are there just to do their job. Some officers are there to encourage you. And some officers are there to make your time help. And um, so it, it, all around it's hard. But I was just at that stage. I'm going to stay away from the BS. These are my focuses. This is what I want to do. I can, you can limit yourself from the trouble, but it can find you. Oh, yeah. So I get that transition from, from maximum to medium. And um, oh yeah, so and you asked me a question, how was the spiritual group in there? So when I and that made me mention Brother West. Brother West on Friday nights held a service and guys would go there and um and he's a preacher too. he evangelized and also preaches on um Friday nights. And um but it was a small group, but I, he preaches with passion and, and again I wasn't all the way fully matured in my walk, I'm still maturing, but so I would go there, but not as much. But then when I, so on my way out of Max, that's when I started going to church all the time. And and it was Friday night. So when I get transferred to Medium, Medium has a Sunday service. And they had a choir. They had, they had a pastor coming in from the outside. It was, it, it, and that building is 1,200. The house is 1,200. So at, it's normally 1,000 people there. And I, I would see them and be like, just man, they're like, seeking a relationship with God so that was encouragement for me versus going to a Friday night and, and brother West holding it down there's only like six seven of us <clears throat> and it was just different and I, and I, and I liked it and I'm like oh that's what's up like this is what I'm looking for and around that same time a new pastor came in and a pastor preached the sermon one time and said um in so many words he said this and this is how I took it I don't know if this is how he meant it but this is how I took it we gotta stop being afraid Christians. We come down here on Sunday and praise God and we're worshiping God, but when we leave here, you guys can't be told apart from any other enemy. And that hit me. Wow, that's right. If we're Christians, we're supposed to be, if we're Christians, we're supposed to be living different. And we're supposed to, the Bible says, consecrate yourself. He called, he called Israel a peculiar nation. He put all these laws on them because he wanted them to stand out. He had a plan for Israel, to bring the Messiah, to bring the scriptures, the apostles, he had put the promises, the covenants. You say, come on, separate. Amen. And that's what you have to Amen. do. Amen. Separate yourself. Absolutely. Fast forward to the new covenant. He's still calling his, his children to separate yourselves, consecrate yourselves. Don't become hermits because I've given you a, a great commission, but stand out. Be light amongst darkness. Right. So when he said that, that hit me like, wow, man. I don't want to be a fake Christian. There's nothing fake about me, and I don't want to be a fake Christian. So I was like, you know what, Lord? There's things in my life that doesn't bear witness to you. My mouth, how I how I use my tongue, how I swear, the people that I'm chilling with, with you know, um, lustful desires. It was just a whole bunch of stuff that didn't add up with what I'm reading in the Bible. And I'm like, Lord, you know what? If this is what you call your children to do, I need your help. You gotta help me. You gotta help me stop swearing. You gotta help me get better friends. And He did it. God is faithful. Mm -hmm. But around that same time. I want to say it was January, 
I told myself, I was, you know, some more reflection. I was like, right, how can I call myself a Christian if I never read the Bible? I, I read every muscle magazine. I read every penthouse, <laughs> ready, every penthouse book, penthouse letter. Uh, but I can't say I, I, all the hood books, Jay was flooded with hood books, urban books. And uh, <laughs> I, I can't say I read the Bible. I want to I read the Bible. So I found a daily bread, and at the top of the daily bread, it says Bible reading in the year. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do that. I start reading the Bible. And um, every day, and that, that right there, I can, I can encourage any believer, any believer, the Word of God is the Word of God, and it's eternal, it's unchanging, and the, that's where the power and the transformation comes from. That's how you, you get your dialogue. When you're praying to God, the primary way He responds to us is through His scriptures. And that's when you hear God talk to you. That's when you see growth. That's when you have peace. That's when you find out how to live in life circumstances. It's, it's, it's all in this book. And this book's not that big. But it just must mean God gave us the most important things we need to know. And the word of God, as they said, what is it? The sword of the spirit. It's your, it's your weapon against everything. Amen. And the armor of God to Amen. protect yourself. Amen. So what year did you, did you finally give yourself up as far as? So this is 2018. So this is the beginning of, of my, my, my walk, getting back to God, getting serious with God, 2018. How many years were you in? Um, about five and a half, going on six years. Okay. So that was probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my Christian walk, was reading that Bible every day, getting up in the morning, putting time aside, and getting in that Bible. And then um, I, used, I still am, but... I was a big sports fan, and um, I would always be on the radio, ESPN, staying updated, the basketball, the football, you know. One day I turned on the radio, trying to tune in and, and find out what was going on with the games, and I, I missed the station, and I and I stumbled upon a Christian radio, 1590. Um, Real View Radio. Yeah, right? yeah, 1590, <laughs> powerful radio station, yeah. and uh, and I heard somebody preaching. I'm like, oh, made my ears perk up, caught my attention. And I started listening to it and I liked what I was hearing. So I was like, let me listen to this more. So as I'm reading the Bible, I would tune into the Christian radio station. And everything I was reading, I swear, I swear it was like two or three pastors were preaching sermons on what I was just reading. <laughs> Either that day or in the week. And I'm like, so, oh, so I'm just, so everything I'm reading, I'm getting taught now. I feel like they're talking to me directly. And now I'm just growing. I'm like, whoa, like, like I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm growing. I have this peace. That I never had before, and and I'm humble now, and and God's changing my language, and and I feel like I have purpose, and I'm still new in my walk. So now I'm growing. So slowly but surely, I start getting more involved in church, and they asked me to get up and give testimonies, similar to what I'm doing today. I would give testimonies. I would give up and give the gospel, give encouraging messages, and um. If you would have knew me and Max before I transferred over, you, I was a totally different person. I went to medium and 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 they started calling me Brother Lon, Jake Lon for short, Jay Lon, and and it was Brother Lon, and that's why I was new. So when guys were coming in from Max to medium, like Yo Lon, I heard they in church now, like Yeah, I'm like Oh, so they're seeing it come to fruition, and and that's just glory be to God, like the transformation and salvation that God gives you and His grace to change you, and um. And that's what he was doing to me. Were, they, were you still, um, were you still being as far as like, te would, would was anybody taking that for weakness inside? So, not, I did some instances I can expound upon, but I think just people were seeing a genuine change, knowing who I was, and just being out front with it, like not they being respect a closet that, right? Christian and and like, cause they're not. Gonna be
respect that. We, we was, this is who I am. This is how I'm living. They would see me. And, and there wasn't just Sunday services. There was a service every day. And I would be at most of them. So they'd be like, oh, nah, Lon's serious. <laughs> Lon's serious. Like, so they, I used to get all the time, like, yo, like, what do you do with all them Bible studies? I'm like, bro, I'd just rather be around guys that love God instead of being in the block gossiping playing cards and gambling ain't nothing wrong with that but I'm like that's just not what my heart's at anymore and um so now I'm growing and as I'm growing um Pastor Mike his name is Mike Cropman and he's been doing prison ministry for 30 years probably wow and I met him in training school he comes in and training school he gives a service and he his thing is he plays the guitar and he takes scriptures and puts a tune to them kind of like Psalms Psalms is the biggest book in the Bible but it's music wow. and, and the biggest author of psalms is is david and david was a musician he used to play the harp i believe he's called all the liar yeah. yeah so in in and from what i'm told all those psalms are written in music tunes we just don't have those tunes hmm. so pastor mike's thing is he'll take scriptures out of the bible word for word and just put it to a tune and as kids i i i'm willing to say 85 percent of the kids that been in training school that went to pastor mike's song still remember his song to this day wow it's funny how we were we were just talking about that in our men's group right yeah now, how, how, how influential influential music, music is, is. And Al is actually a music musician i am and hey, man. Uh, it's, it's just it goes deep, deep, deep into it your does. soul uh brother carl said music is the only thing that doesn't need permission to enter your mind right the influence of music it's amazing that that guy has been a pastor in prisons for all these years, and like, what a deep, what a great human being. Uh, you know? Pastor Mike and his testimony is powerful too. He did time in Attica. Wow. Whoa. He did time in Attica. Got his case overturned. Got saved. He's a, he's a Messianic Jew, so he's Jew. He comes from Jewish heritage, but he believes in the Messiah, the Christ. So he has a church based out of Musaket, but he's been doing prison ministry ever since. Wow. So his main job is um. The training school but he also goes up to the ACIs and he goes up to Wyatt so again 85% of the prison population know him because if you've been in training school there's a good chance you just graduate up right and unless you have that wake-up call whether it's God or whether it's you I want to change and it's few but guys do it you know Pastor Mike so one day I'm on the phone and um he was coming and he was coming up ministering to us and I have that relationship with him his son was actually um doing a sentence and I ended up getting cool with his son. His son ended up turning out to be one of my best friends. And the way we, we started talking, we, I didn't even know that was his, his, his Pastor Mike was his father. We oh, started wow. talking this and that. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to He's like, oh, you probably know my dad. I'm like, who's your dad? He's like, Pastor Mike. I'm like, I was blown away. I'm like, I just hugged him up. Oh, yeah, Pastor Mike. So I'm like, bro, I've been praying for you before I even met you. He was like, yeah, man, I appreciate it. So we, we got close like that. So um, I used to call Pastor Mike every so often. So there was a situation I was struggling, something I was struggling in my walk. And, um, I called Pastor Mike and I was a little down on myself. I'm like, Pastor Mike, man, I'm, I'm struggling, man. I'm doing good. I'm, I still got my joy, but I'm struggling. I'm down when I fall in this area. And he's like, um, he's like, it's all right, brother. So he's covering me with talking again. I'm like, yeah, but Pastor Mike, I'm struggling. He was like, he got stern at me. He's like, brother, you're not struggling. He's like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, we're talking. So like, all right, you're not struggling then. You're, you're walking in victory right now. I'm like, you know what? You're right. So I hang up the phone and um, the block I ended up moving to was the same block, Brother Wesley Spratt, the, the first brother I told you about that was preaching the gospel that came up to me, he was in that block too. So our relationship is not tight yet, but he ended up going to medium before me, and I come like a year or two after him, and I ended up just happening to go in his block. So he sees me growing in my wall, but he's not he's not good at with names at all. 
just because he probably goes up to a thousand people a year. (laughs) So, um, but he's noticing me. So, so after the phone call, we get a yard wreck. I go over yard wreck, and now my spirits is up. I fail in charge. I'm like, you know what? I'm walking in victory. I don't need to struggle in that area no more. I'm not going to struggle in that area because God's going to give me the victory. Jesus is going to give me the strength. So I'm walking in y'all just full of the spirit, and um, I see Brother Wesley Spratt walking by me. He got his Bible in hand. I'm like, Brother Wes, where you going? He's like, I'm going witnessing. I said, no, I'm coming with you. Wow, nice. That was the first time I went witnessing. That's great. And he combs through the yard. Anytime he sees a new face, he gets that same spirit. How you doing, brother? My name is Brother Wesley Spratt. Do you have all your hygiene? Because some people come to prison with nobody. Right. Bridges, they might have been homeless. They just might have spent all their money. Whatever it is, but hygiene is an essential in prison. And you don't get that. Wow. So that's his priority, and that's how he tries to build those 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 relationships with people. Mm-hmm. So I went out witnessing. I seen how he did it, and it, so me and him started growing. So you know now we're getting tight, and again he's in the block. So so that same problem that I was I, I, I was encouraged about, I still was struggling with because my not because but it like so so in Christianity it's good to have fellowship. Like so me and me and Sal are part of a group called Steadfast Men mm-hmm. at Restoration Church. And it's a Tuesday night Bible study. And I heard it at his uh, b- baptism. At his baptism. <laughs> oh, yeah. I heard I heard the best steadfast yeah, man thing. Yeah, yeah. Steadfast man. And, um, I'm so proud of Sal, man. I've been seeing his walk, and I love what he's doing. And um, so I, I say that to say, in this Christian walk, you need accountability. You need encouragement. You need fellowship. And, and you need that to, 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 to stay on fire for God and, and, and to be walking with God and it's the, the walk wasn't made for you to be by yourself because an isolated Christian is just a target for the enemy. Mm, an island all alone is yeah. a dangerous place yep. to be. Yep. So, um, I did, s- did you know how much time you were going to do? I, I mean, at this point, did you know you only had a few years left? Or did you think you were... So, I, so, so now I'm getting into five, six years of my sentence. Now I'm like, I got a bank on parole, man. This court stuff, I went in for court reductions and trial and all that was denied. So now it's like, y'all, I just... I gotta get parole, and you no. Know, hopefully I do. Hopefully the Lord can bless me with parole, and and that's that's my mindset now. Hopefully I hopefully I don't got to do my whole time. I can get parole, and I'm banking on like maybe ten years. That's just the average looking around, and when I see guys make parole, it's usually like half of their sentence. Okay. Like, I don't want to do ten years, but I'm like, if that's what I got to do versus twenty, I'm do. I, yeah. <laughs> sign me up for that. Right. Right. So um, I had a, I had a few one of my cell a few all my cellmates they were um they weren't saved and they were kids I knew from the streets but uh, so I was saved so you know we were both on a different path and I would never force it on anybody but I'm living and how he's living and we still have fellowship we're still mad cool we were talking everything but we're just living different so so that area I was struggling in it would just become more prevalent because that's normal to them sin is sin to them so um so brother West started coming up to me like brother. Moving my cell medium is maximum single cell, medium is two cells. It's two bunks in a cell. He's like, listen, brother, moving to my cell, man. Two soldiers need to be get, living together, it's easier. And at first, I'm like, nah, like, I just, ever since I met this dude, he was all about God. So I'm like, nah, I'm not trying to move in a cell with like a monk. <laughs> he has no fun. Like, you know, like, like I don't know what, like, like so the most I see him do for fun is working out. And, and, now um, his birthday just passed. I want to say he's sixty, yeah. but in Max, when I when I first seen him, I seen him on the pull-up bar, ripped up. He, he was shining on most of the young boys, and he had it put together. <laughs> he had twenty years of just pull-up pull-up work, yeah. so he was in tip-top shape. So that's the only thing I seen him do for fun. I'm like working out, but I'm like, 
nah, I'm like, nah. So like, he asked me once or twice, and I'm like, nah, brother West. Like, I got a bottom bunk. The bottom bunk's kind of something big and medium. You're more comfortable, and mm-hmm. you know, you're locked in your cell versus a top bunk. They can switch you whenever. And so I'm like, nah. Then, but then I'm struggling this air. So I'm like, I'm praying one day, and I'm like, you know what? I, I shouldn't make that move. I was gonna make that move. So I moved into Brother West's cell, and um, that was another blessed move. One of the best moves that. Could happened to my walk and I'm and this is my first so I got saved in prison. I don't know what a godly man looks like. I don't know what a godly mentor looks like. And the Bible encourages for older men to exhort and teach the younger men, for older women to exhort and teach the younger women. So this is the first time I had that. So I move in there with him and he used to always go around and say, Brother, I'm praying for you. like if you were like you know Brother West as the holy man. Like like if you need prayer you go to him, Brother West, I need prayer. And little did we know God is looking to hear from everybody. He just wants that personal relationship with you. But we don't know that outside of the faith. So we go to Brother West, I need prayer, my mother, this and that. And and when he would tell you, all right, I'm praying for you on my prayer list, that brother was serious. I moved in his cell, and every day, 5.30 in the morning, I wake up. I, I pee a lot at night. I get up and get up. So in the morning, I get up. He's lying his hands in me, praying. 5.30 sometimes or 7 sometimes even past child I witnessed this now that's a mentor on a role model powerful Oof. and powerful and it's hard to live with another man so just extending grace and like in, 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 in a cell that is small you're basically living in a bathroom right and it's hard to have a roommate in general in a regular house never mind those right those, those measurements right and this brother extended nothing but grace what what he had was mine but what I had is his Again, he's a Bible teacher, so I, I walked in a room to a treasure trove of Christian material as far as reading material. So if I wanted to grow, and everything was just available for me right there. And and um, so now I'm growing in the walk, I'm growing in the faith, and uh, now I'm coming up on parole. So parole's coming up, and, and I'm having anxiety. Like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm sure. I'm ready, I'm ready. So, so, so I skipped the part when I got to medium first. That was my first shot parole. I go up, then I, it, 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 it goes ugly. And I'm saved at this time, but I'm, I'm new to my walk. But I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. My heart's for you, and just guide me, and I'll go out and I'll live for you. I go up, and my plan is going in, be honest, and it goes south. It goes ugly. Two year, two, they call it a two year hit, a two year review. Come back in two years. Now, why did it go <sighs> so sour? Why was it, it, ugly? it just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They were zeroing in on certain things that I felt like weren't a big deal, and and it, and I don't know, man. Mind you, you're in the board in front of like psychologists, and they need body language and this and that, and it, I don't know. But I, I just didn't go how I thought it would went, and how I was ready for it to go. But you know, there's a there's a scripture Romans eight twenty eight that says, mm. "For we know all things work together for good for all those who love Christ who've been called according to His purpose." And that was just another time of. God working something that didn't go our way for the good, for the better. So in that two years, that two year review, I that's when I experienced the most growth in my walk that I would not change to this day. Oh, if so I can rewind it, and they would say you can go back in six years, I would say no. So I need you, that two you, years for my if walk. If you got out when you wanted to go out, it might have went south, look, right? Look, man, how many times do we pray, God, we want this, and sometimes God's not saying no. He's saying wait, or He's saying I'm withholding this from you. Because you can turn a blessing into a curse. This can take me from. This can take you from me, and 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 God does withhold things from us sometimes, but He also does bless us. So I'm gonna get to the party blesses me. <laughs> yeah. 
So now I'm growing in my walk and, and the majority of my prayers are just for growth, Lord. I just want you to use me. I want to be an encouragement. And, and early on, I found out my spiritual gift is encouragement and exhortation. And exhortation is the Bible's teaching and encouraging. And what little word bit I know about scriptures, I'm able to teach. And so in the beginning of my testimony, I don't know if you remember, I was a follower and easily influenced. Mm -hmm. But when I came to God, it felt like I have purpose now. And I find older men and younger men coming to me and asking me questions about the Bible or for encouragement, speaking to me about their problems. And I'm able to just pour into them what God's pouring into me every day. And that just comes so natural for me. And, and, and that's what I was doing during this growth process. So now, so now I'm coming up on my second shot of growth. And um, COVID hits. Wow. But six months out, I'm, I'm anxious and I'm running around telling everybody, walk by faith, God got you. I know the situation is rough right now. I know you can't see it, but God's going to turn it out. But when it comes to my situation for a role and people ask me like, oh, I don't know, I'm nervous. And, mm. and I'm like, yo, it doesn't add up what I'm telling everybody else to do, but I'm not applying that to myself. So like maybe four months out, I'm like, you know what, God, I feel like this is just bad testimony for you like that's like you said you, you have two sons mm. and you're, you're a good dad you're a provider you have a roof over your kids head you feed them every day you give them clothes but for some reason your sons go to school and they, they're nervous and anxious and the teacher asks them what's wrong and they're like we don't know if we're gonna eat tonight and the teacher knows better because he, they, they know you're a good man they know you provide they know you feed the kids and they're wondering why the kids feel like that well that's how God feels when we walk around anxious all the time that's right when we're worried about problems that he has under control, God's looking at like, oh, Father, I provide for you. How many times do I, have to, uh, do, I you do for I mean? you? How many yeah. times? And then you're still done. Amen. And it might not be what you want, but I know what you need. Right. You know? So, and that's how, so I, I looked at it like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to walk by faith, Lord. If you want me to do another day in here, it's for a reason, and I embrace that. If not, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and in the midst of that, I'm learning how to evangelize. Remember I told you I went out with Brother West? Mm -hmm. Now I'm going out with Brother West all the time. Sometimes I'm in the yard by myself. I see a new faith brother. You got deodorant, hygiene. If not, all right, give him the gospel. That was the main thing I believe God made me do that extra two years to, to me learn how to be an evangelist and give the gospel. Mm, just like Paul said, to live, live is for Christ and die is for gain. gain. And, and the same thing with your prison and sentence. my prison sentence. Right? And, and so I was like an evangelist boot camp with Brother West. Like he right. lives that. Right. He, it, it, that's him. That's what he does. And, and, and I learned that from him. So now I'm coming up on, on uh, my, my parole. My, so COVID hits. So parole is you sit down in front, you submit a package, what you've done, what you, what, why you're here, but they know why you're here, but what you've done, what classes you took to change, and what are your plans when you get out. And it, it's tough on everybody. You want to write the perfect letter. You right. want to show remorse. You want to show in. And um, COVID hit. So now they put out a memo saying it's not going to be um, in-person meetings anymore. You submit a package, we make a decision. So for me, that's like I'm bent out of shape because I'm like on paper, I just look like some wild, right? Some right. wild. I know kid. what you're saying, and, yeah. And, and I want to be able to put it to con, not make excuses for it, but just put it into context. What I was thinking mm. at the time, why I acted the way I acted, and yeah. what what my lifestyle was like yeah. that I reflected. You know what I mean? And so I might have like, oh, this is gonna be ugly. <clears throat> but again, I told you I made that decision. I'm not gonna fret. I'm not gonna worry. So I had my family rally behind me, and they was able to raise support letters. Pastor Mike wrote a support letter I might have. There's another pastor 
um, that used to come up. I used to go to his services all the time. He wrote a letter on my behalf. And uh, just people rallied behind me. I was so blessed. And um, and so now I'm praying, Lord, like, I mean, just give me a year review, another year review. And, and I'm happy with that, Lord. I know if I get a year review, I know it's yeah, looking time, good right? after that, you know? Yeah. And um, there's a scripture that says, uh, God is able to abundant to do abundantly and exceedingly more than you ask. And I'm I'm telling God, I'm I'm happy with a year, Lord. Just give me a year and and mentally I like it was it was weighing on me. Like the, the bid was just weighing on I always had I was somebody that always had my family to rely on and that helped a lot financially and just also emotionally. Those my family relationships helped me get through a lot to my bed, but I was at that point like, Lord, they're not they're not enough no more mentally. I'm just I'm ready to go, and there's many nights I'm up wrestling with God like I can't do it no more, Lord. I I need you to I I, I want to be free, and um, so I believe eight months before my release, my mother dies. Mm. I'm sorry to that. In the world, yeah. my twin, my everything, my mother passes away, and um, and it wasn't. It was sudden. It was she wasn't sick. She wasn't. How old was How old was she? She was. 51. Wow. Too young, way too young. 51. Uh, she had a severe heart attack, and I think one of the arteries they, it just separates from the heart. And they said even they say even if you have the heart attack in in, in the hospital, it's like a 90% right. rate because of the, the how big the artery is, you bleed out so fast. And um, at the end of her life, she was struggling with depression and. She was going through a lot, and, and she had that heart attack, and it, it just hit me. It hit me hard, and, and but but again, I'm, I'm walking with God, and, and I'm this, I'm somebody that's encouraging men in the block, and I'm a light in this place of darkness. And for two days, it hit me hard. <laughs> the, the brother West, the one I'm in the room with, he, he has his motto. He goes by, "We're soldiers in God's army." Brother, do not take that uniform off. So that first day, I cried on his arm. I cried on his shoulder, probably 30 minutes straight. His, his shirt was soaked. And I got the call. And he was there, comforted me. He cried. He was like, yo, your mom's like my mom. But I love you like a brother. Your mother's like, even though I don't know, I talked to her a few times on the phone. Your mother's like my mother. Like, So he comforted me in that two days. But that two days, it was just like, yo, put your uniform back on. That's awful. In 2 Corinthians... Chapter 1 is the comfort chapter and it shows how, how God comforts us through times of struggles and tribulations and suffering and pain. And um, to this day, um, to, right now I am so surprised how God still comforts me behind that loss. And, and, and around that same time there was a couple younger brothers in the block that had a, a family death, two of them. And, and, and I had to put my uniform back on and, and one of the scriptures says, you go through certain things. So you can be a comfort to other people who are going through them things. And two days after that, so get back up, man. I'm serving you, God. This is where I have my peace when I'm with you and I'm focused on you and I don't want anything to ruin that. And I was able to encourage these brothers and get them to do that because it could have easily went wrong. You could have, like, I, so when they came in and, and announced that news to me, they, I was told they stopped even doing, I forget what it's called, but it's a special visit to let you know a family member died. And I had that visit, and I went berserk. I'm flipping tables in the visiting room. This, the visiting room was packed. They had me in the lawyer's office. I'm flipping tables. They had to bring four or five officers in there to restrain me. I can't believe it. And now I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Forget all this. I, I can't do it. 
I can't live without my mother. Never mind do a sentence without my mom. You know what I mean? And they calmed me down, but they showed me grace. And they was like, just calm down, Mr. Big. I know this rough. Just go back to yourself. They could easily, <laughs> segregation, your book. Uh, when you go when you go before the parole board with any bookings, <laughs> the kangaroo court. Yeah, your your parole your parole board chances is gone, and but they send me so much grace and and, and they Well, it's good that they they treated you like you know what I mean, a human being yeah. when they should have. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, I it was a blessing. It was a blessing, and um, so again I was serving. So so now I'm going up for for parole, and I go up, and again I'm not telling you for I, I'm praying for a year a year. Review like like Lord, if you can give me a review, if you can give me a release, I'm gonna be so happy. But if you can give me a review, I right, cool. And I go up and I submit my package and and they review it. And I believe it was a Friday. And so now I'm calling my grandma. Oh oh oh, mind you, COVID hits. They lock down the nation. What do you think they do to the prison? Right. They lock down the prison. So basically, we're on 23 and one, which is like sex status. 23 hours in your cell, one hour of rest. Oh. Basic. You know what I mean? That's what we were on. And um. They, it's a month into to, to the nationwide lockdown. They found out a way to give guys yard wreck, so they give guys yard wreck by like eight cells at a time. So I happened to get a yard wreck when I my day of parole, and I call I call my grandma. Grandma, what happened? What's the results? And um, she's like, Oh, we didn't hear nothing back, Jay. But I talked to a lady earlier. She said if if you don't hear back, if, uh, I don't get in contact with anybody. I'm gonna have to wait till Monday for the results. And I'm like, Oh man. Monday and, and oh yeah so my my parole hearing was March um the, the country gets shut down they push it back another month so mm -hmm. now I'm a little frustrated like oh lord but I'm like you know what I, I waited two years I could wait a month so Friday that that news comes and I tell my grandma I'm like I'm getting a little frustrated you know what grandma I just waited a month I can wait two more days and uh so I'm like I'm not gonna play the phone anymore and I'm I'm just gonna wait till Monday to call and just try to relax and uh so that's Friday night. I end up calling my sister Saturday night, and uh, my sister was like, "Jay, Jay, you're coming." She, she, she's a nurse at the time, and she said she, she, she kept her phone on, 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 on ring so she could hear me call. She went in the bathroom and called. She's, she's, she's going crazy. Jay, Jay, you made it. You're coming home. She's on the phone crying. I'm like, "What? what what's going, on? Jay? What are you talking about?" She's like, "Jay, I'm at work, but just call Graham. Call Graham." And I'm like, "What? I can't believe my eyes. I hang up. I call my grandma." She's like, she's crying. She's like, Jay, you're coming home. I'm like, what do you mean? It's Saturday. How would you even find out? She was like, um, the lady wasn't even supposed to call me. But she said, you sounded so concerned. And, and I just want to let you know, you can rest assured your, your, your grandson's coming home. Your grandson made parole, basically, she said. And I was like, what? Wow. What? And that's not even the best part. So, so but I just know. That's not the home. best part. That's not the best wow. part. So immediate release in Rhode Island is 30 days. That uh, be, I heard before it was ten days, and but they changed it so thirty mm -hmm. days. So now, so now I hear the news. I talk to my my grandma. I call my dad. So everybody's like, "Yo, you're coming home." Now we just gotta find out when, and we'll find out Monday. So I'm like, "All right, all right, cool." Waiting game Monday. So now I go back to my cell, and I'm, I'm just I get I tell first person I tell brother West. Like I go in my cell, I'm crying. I'm like, I can't. Lord, thank you. I'm on my knees, we pray. We thank God. And brother West, I told you, brother, he's not just saying, "Listen, you are not gonna do." One more day that the Lord has prescribed for you to do. One extra day. That was always, he said you're ready. That always used to be ready. his motto. He's like, because I used to be stressing, like, Brother Wes, I don't know if I'm going to get it. And he used to hear, listen to me, like, brother, you're not going to do one. Don't matter what you think is going on, you're not going to do one more day than what the Lord has prescribed for you. So that always used to put me at ease. So now, now I'm on my bunk. I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, like, wow, I'm coming. 
coming home, hopefully, hopefully, you know, it's a six-month lease or a year lease like I wanted. And um, I'm like, Lord, if you could give me a six-month lease, I'm going to make sure I testify. Mm-hmm. I'm, there's going to be people in here like, nah, Jay, you've been doing the right thing. And no, I'm going to make sure you moved on my behalf, God. And I'm make sure I'm going to testify. This is me talking to God. <laughs> so uh, one day comes, I find out. And um, my grandma said, Jay, you ready? I'm like, what? She's like, sit down. I'm like, what, grandma? She's like, you're coming home in 10 days. Wow. And mind you, immediate release of Rhode Island is 30 days. I've never heard of somebody coming home in 10 days. Right. So I'm like, nah, grandma. That's grandma. You got to call them back. That's not right. Grandma, at least a month of time they can come home in 30 days. <laughs> She's like, Jay, I've been on the phone with this lady all day. She said, if you can get all your paperwork and you'll be home in 10 days. I'm like, what? Wow. Now I'm just, I'm in shock. I can't believe it. And um, so so instantly I'm like, nah, I don't want to tell too many people. I know how it is in there. People can start hating. They might want to fight, start trouble you. So if you get a book and that, that parole's out the door. Mm. So I'm like, I I tell my cellmate and I think two other people that are close confidants to me. And um, I get back in the cell, but remember, I just told you I was praying to God. If you can give me a six year, six month to a year release, I'm gonna testify for you. So I'm on my bunk, and God reminds me that, and I'm like, You said, yeah, you right, Lord. I'm making sure this whole building knows. I get out, man. The building was cut off in half. There, there was sometimes we didn't see the other half of the building for like two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Man, I wanna say within hours, the whole building knew I was going home in <laughs> ten days, right? So I get a ten day parole release, and um. And sometimes the parole officers or whatever it is, the process can drag and you don't go home on that day. I not only went home in 10 days, I went home without an ankle bracelet. Wow. Without GPS. Not only that, I probably have the best parole officer you can ask for, that's encouraging me, helping me to get in the programs I need, and just making sure I have the best path to stay out. And these are all blessings that God gave, not because I deserve it, but it's by His grace. Was it, well, I know, well, I'm not going to, it's probably a stupid question, but was it hard, not hard, but leaving that the guy who was your the, um, brother? And do, and do you still stay in contact with him? It is extremely hard. It was extremely hard, but um, I do. Uh, we talk frequently. That brother, he, he made, we made a covenant one day. He said, brother, come to me, you know, pray. He said, listen, you're my covenant, brother. I'm making a covenant with you, my brother, for life. I, I, I just, I, I felt so special. I honored that. I took that so seriously. I'll never turn my back. I'm to this dad. Make sure he's right financially. Whatever he needs, right. I'm there for him. And just because of what he did and poured in my life, mm-hmm. I, he has nobody. He's been locked up for 20, 25 years. Most people lose. Most people after 15 years, most of their families old and gone. He has nobody. Yeah. The last person that was supporting was was his. His stepmother, she passed away when I was in the cell. Wow. And there's no chance of him getting out. And it's, well, we know, we know we serve an able God, the right. God that, yeah, that we think true. is impossible we can do. So right now, we're, you know, he's, 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 he's fighting his case. And he and to, to expound upon that, he hasn't did one program that the, that the Correction Institute wants people to do for rehabilitation. I make the quotation, the quotation marks when I say that, rehabilitation. Yeah. He always says, listen, Jesus is the program. I know you've got all this program that you think that's going to help me. Jesus is the program. That man said the day he got arrested was the day he started evangelizing. He got saved. He ended up backsliding and an innocent person lost their life. He said, you know what? Since God, since the devil had his hand in my affairs, I'm going to make sure I serve Christ. 
that day he said he was evangelizing. And people just attest to it to and fro. Oh, I know Brother West, I love you. Back in the early 90s, he, he, he witnessed to me. He shared the gospel with me. And, um, and, and that's his life. So you would think all this, like you said, he's known by everyone. He does so much good in how many people's lives. You would think that would... That would appease the parole board, right? But like listen to would, this. Listen to this. So he yeah, he's, he goes he, he when I'm there he's going up for parole. He has a talk with a counselor and the counselor's like, all right, brother West, we know we know this is what you're about and this and that. But they was like the parole board don't care about that. To them, they want to see you doing programs and making taking steps for rehabilitation. He was like, he was like, listen. In his mind, he's like, I know I've impacted men. I know I've helped change lives. I know he out of that twenty five years I think he's been booked three times. And all three times have something to do with church things. Either praying, one time I was in the, in the yard with him, we were praying, we got booked for that. So he went to segregation three times and one time when somebody was praying for a spiritual man and they said Brother Weston said because they said he stood up in service or something, Brother Weston didn't do nothing. And he goes to the guy that was praying for a spiritual man so so the guy tells us the story, he's like so you pray me into sex. <laughs> so, so, so I say all that to say that the counselor tells him, well, we respect and I know that, but the parole board doesn't care about that. They want to see you doing these programs that, and he's like, you know, Jesus is the program. You know what? Take my name off the parole board and definitely if God wants to get me out, he's going to get me out. So right now he's fighting in the court. So when he gave his testimony at Wednesday night service, I was I was conflicted about it. I didn't like it. I'm like, brother West, how do you know this is God doesn't want you to get out this way? And he's like, bro, my he built a ministry up for 25 years that not just evangelizing, but he gives a service on Wednesday that I watch him all week studying for in the Bible, putting together notes. And it's Wednesday night he comes in and it's called the barbecue pit, and he covers and he said his thing is all week you guys been getting discouraged and depressed and. Tie your shoes, sit down, don't do this, don't you can't go there, you can't go to the gym. He said, When you come to the barbecue pit, I want to encourage you with God's word. I want to lift you up with God's promise and I want to tell you what this Bible says. That's what that man dedicated his life for. So he said, I'm taking my name off that list to encourage you, brothers, and when God wants to release me, he's gonna release me. Well, I'm gonna tell you this, Jim. And I was I was kinda upset about it. I don't think he should have. I understand his why he did it. But I, what, it sounds like he's the most rehabilitated you could possibly be. Yeah. But in their eyes, that but the, the system is so set one way, and and but but you know what that reminds me of? Who in the Bible was incarcerated for the gospel, beaten, whipped for the gospel? Paul in prison three yeah. times. He said shipwrecked, and and this man's life is dedicated yeah. to Christian growth in men, sworn to it. As so far, they took his name off the. It blows my mind. Yeah. So a man like that, I promise myself I'm going to stick by you. Because by, if I can help you financially, that's like me helping your ministry and advancing God's kingdom. Well, when this man gets out, when I say when, I want to meet him. You're going to meet him. Uh, and, right. So keep that on your prayer list. Brother Absolutely. Wesley Spratt, his release. God God vindicates him. God sets him free. And um, he's going to be door to door. He's going to yeah. be knocking. <laughs> Instead of just walking through yards, he's going to be knocking on doors. Do you know Christ? Look out. Here he comes. Do right? you know Christ? So, so fast forward, I'm here today, um, I've been out, next month will be a year, I'm already defying the recidivism rate, recidivism, to recidivate just means to go back, mm -hmm. the numbers are astronomical when you get, yeah, I, I, right, within the first six months it's so high, within a year it either increases or decreases a little bit, so within the first three years the majority of people go back to prison, 
and it's by God's grace I'm standing here, I'm seeing you, the man I am today. I'm not perfect by any stretch, but I just know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, my King. What God the Father has done for me, what the Spirit has imparted for me, I'm so blessed. I'm so happy to be here to testify and, and just thankful that, that God is faithful and, and, and a troubled kid like me has purpose and, 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 and has meaning to life in Christ. Totally in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I say. Totally <laughs> Is there anything they could have done in the prison to, 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 to help that actually helps rehabilitation? So, so, so I don't want to totally tarnish it, but they got they got some classes that like so again, if, if that light switch goes off for you and you want to take it serious, they got class they can help. They have few compared. I want to say every other. I've only been in one prison. From what I hear, every other prison has these vocational trees, and so they have a small. Mechan auto mechanic body um thing where you can learn a trade, but you get you get certain. It's not. I don't even think it's legitimate certifications. Um, then they have an upholstery shop. You learn you learn little trades that can definitely be uh, helpful for um the workforce. But if you don't get certified in anything, all you're doing is saying I, I'm a guy with, with 12 years of prison time right. and 12 years of postal experience. That really doesn't hold any weight. Mm -hmm. So there's there's slim to little. But again, even if they didn't. If that light switch goes off in your head that you want to change, they're gonna find every means to change. Right now, how, how has it been for you since you've been? Oh, I, I'm sure difficult uh, as far as finding work yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, hasn't it hasn't because you <laughs> God's grace. And, and I don't wanna and I don't wanna give off the impression when you come to Christ, everything is peaches and cream. Because right. sometimes when you get saved, the biggest like tests come. And things like you know the enemy doesn't want to let go with a grip of somebody sometimes and you've been fighting in the kingdom of darkness for so long that the enemy's not happy that you got switched over so now he's trying to do everything to take your faith to make you stumble and make you not to grow but me personally um and again this is not because i deserve it it's not because i i can i can say that i was running around helping to you no by god's grace grace is god giving us what we don't deserve and that was Christ dying on the cross for us, which is free salvation. It's a free gift. You can't do anything in the world. That's grace. Everything else is just extra. Everything else is the added bonus. So God's grace is giving us what we don't deserve. God's mercy is withholding from us what we do deserve, which is death for us in the scripture says. It's so powerful. Separation. Separation. Eternal separation from God. But the good news is Jesus Christ died for that sin. So I came home and... um. My family rallied around me, and I think God had it this way because for eight years, my my for eight years, my 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 envisionment of my first day was me coming home to my mom, me in that parking lot, my mom and my right. grandma, and you know that first day, my mom cooking for me, and and I didn't, but I came home to, so I have a big family, so I thought I was gonna come home. My 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 prayer was, I God, let me come home, let me get a job and. I'll build everything from the ground up. I'll provide for me everything. Like, just give me a job, Lord. And um, in that first day, Mike, the way my family rallied around me, and I'm talking about distance cousins I haven't seen even before the sentence, like, just rallied behind me. And it helped me take my mind off my mom, not having my mom that day. And uh, God just showed up there. And um, so my dad is a businessman. He's a general contractor. So my first few months, I, I was working with him. And he, and he was teaching me trades and all of that. And um, then um, he gave me the okay, venture route. Go ahead, get some experience in your life. And um, I landed a job at Blount Fine Food, a real good company. It's a food manufacturing company. And um, 
in Fall River, and this is July, so I get out in January, February, March. If I get out in April, April 29th, and I have this this job in July, it's a real good job, and um, and uh, they gave me a chance. They took a chance on me, and um, I I I excelled. I tried to just imagine I'm in prison cleaning toilets for three dollars a day. Yeah. <laughs> so you're willing to take a chance on me for sixteen bucks and 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 give me some response? I loved it, and um. So I just recently stepped away. I uh, want to pursue a plumbing career. They have a program in the city called Building Futures. That they're connected to um, a lot of the unions, and they give you the, pr the apprentice training you need, and then give you um, they, they basically like recruited recruiters, and they they set you up with employment in the unions. So that's what I'm doing right now. But um, by God's grace and blessing, I can tell you this, right? God honors obedience. So what you know. And what he expects of you don't do it, that's considered sin. And, and, and that separates us from God. Mm -hmm. But God has grace and mercy. But when you're walking and you're living for God, and it's not easy. And I'm not saying every second of the day is Jesus, this, Jesus, that. That's what I'm striving to do. But when you're obedient to what God is, call, is calling in your life or what he asks of you, he honors it and he moves. And again, it might not be what you, what you want, but there's a, there's, a, there's a promise in the Bible, Matthew 6, 33. It says, Seek ye the kingdom of God first and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Basically, put God first. Seek God's righteousness. You're not righteousness. You're not righteous on your own. And that's what it takes to get in the, king, the kingdom of heaven. It's righteousness, which means perfection. And the only person, human being that walked this earth was the man God, Jesus Christ, sinless. So because we can't live up to that standard of perfection, we receive Jesus Christ and his righteousness on behalf. So that scripture is saying, see Jesus Christ. You put Jesus Christ, have him at the center of your life. And all these things he's talking about will be added unto you is God's provision. He's not talking about a house, a car. He's talking about the needs. He said the birds of the field have food. They have shelter. I'm going to provide that for mine. And his provisions, they've been there. Everything after that has been added bonuses and just blessings. So, so I'm here today. Just, just blessed Amen. to be here, Seth. Amen. Well, Jalen, uh, wow, you're amazing. You're amazing. It was, it was, it, it's amazing. And and it's amazing that you have uh, that. Uh, I'm sure the person that you, you, you know, oh, you, uh, you grew up and you, you got, you bettered yourself all the way through, yeah. and you know, and, and God's done amazing. Things yeah, I think you, I think you, I think you rehabilitated despite the rehabilitation of the prison. Yeah, well, you know, and that to to what he's saying, is he grief. couldn't have done it with, without God's grace, without and um, it's just amazing. And um, like I have to say, in my mind, you are the quintessential guest uh, that wow. we need on the show. You know, you embody what we're trying to get across yeah, to wow. definitely whoever listens. You know, wow. uh, hope and 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 the struggle and and overcoming. Amen. And and even even you know, there's you know, there's going to be people who. Believe in God and people who don't are going to listen. Yes. And maybe, you know, just you, one you, person I'm asking. That's all I'm. That's all I'm saying. And maybe you're, you're, you're renewing and growing the faith of people who do believe, mm -hmm. and then maybe you're making people think. And that's just. Yeah, and I think I. Thing. Yeah, definitely. I think that not um. Not always thinking every you know someone who gets out of jail after doing any amount of time. Yeah, everybody needs a chance, a second chance. I mean, you had very strange situations to go in, honestly, you know, and uh, it's it's good that you have the, 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 the attitude you have, you know, your, your attitude is so positive, more so than mine. 
<laughs> but I just that first day out. What was it like? I mean, it must have been oh, like what was that? What was the? It was a blessing by God's grace. I mean, it's still a journey, and that I'm on. And you know, if I just know if I keep Christ first, I'm gonna continue to grow. But my first day out was um. So now I get the ten day release. So now we're playing, and I'm like. My, my, my sister's buying me clothes and I'm like, yo, don't buy me too much stuff and I don't even know my size, but let me just get out and let me like, I, I kind of became a man in prison and I'm like, let me experience that. Let me let me do these things on my own. But um, the first thing I asked my dad, my dad's a tremendous cook and- um, <laughs> Food, that's what I figured. <laughs> my dad's a tremendous cook and um, all Jamaicans know how to cook. <laughs> so my, yeah, yeah, so my request was, um, uh, oxtail yep. basically with jerk sauce and um we call it rice and peas but it's rice and, and it mixed uh um cooked in coconut water and um and he and he, he added some curry lobster in there and uh it was a blessed day and, and my whole family was there and we just enjoyed it and and so now my biggest thing is i i enjoy being around my brothers and sisters so when i went to prison my um my older brother i want to say was 22 23 my older sister was 22 my little bro my little sister was um 16 and my little brother was 13 mm -hmm. so we all live with mom i come home and each one of them has you know almost all of them have their own family their own wow <laughs> so it's like i'm seeing my niece and that so now my thing is i just love spending time with my family my brothers and sisters and and i got a real strong relationship with them and that, that's where a lot of my joy comes from so it's little things that you know, a lot of people take for granted yeah, that yeah. you just feel like you're so blessed. Blessed. Now, like I say, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person in that way. Honestly, yeah. I, not yet. <laughs> I found it yet. Yeah, yeah I'm trying. Like I, uh, <laughs> they're pushing me towards it. No, <laughs> but the um, but you know, I, I I think that from my perspective, I think if you follow, I think following the Bible, there's no way you can go wrong. You know what I mean? I think I think have I think having a moral compass from the Bible it leads to good things, mm -hmm. I, and and that's what God bless you in that way. Where it's just like as long as you stay away from trouble, it's always going to be in the back of your mind that you can't be around any. You, you know, you never know what's going to happen, and it's it's scary that is a good a person as you sound like you are and you you appear to be that you know you just, just the wrong place, wrong time could hurt you, yeah. right? And I used to think things like that and, and when I was still incarcerated. But um that's that's also like a tactic of the of the enemy. He wants you to stay in fear and those and so so there's a saying in Rhode Island that um in in the in the in the, the correctional system, you come to Rhode Island on vacation, you leave on probation. It's, <laughs> it's so easy to end up on probation here, they give you astronomical numbers of probation. Um that's about the last right thing. Oh, wow. Do you want to take the call? Uh, take it. Take it. Take it. I'll stop the, I'll stop the recording. I'll cut that out. Hold on, hold on. Pause it. Yep. Uh, get, get, um, speak up, Brother West. Let him know who you are, what's your about, who you stand for. Okay, uh, listen. My name is Brother Wesley Sprint. I preach the word of God. I matched from security for 20 years before I came to medium. Six years ago, I got sent to medium security. They open up a service for me where I do the whole service. People come in from the outside. They sit down in the back, and I do the whole service. I've seen the Lord flip that service seven times, packed with all different people. It never stopped till this coronavirus hit. And when I see the coronavirus, what I see the Lord saying spiritually is to listen. 
For 2,000 years, I've been telling you to come to my son. You don't want to come to my son? I will shut your basketball down, your football down. I'll shut the hockey down. I'll shut the baseball down. I'll shut the nightclub down. I'll shut the bars down. I'll shut your job down. I'll shut this whole world down. Come to my son. Now, I love you, but come to my son. So listen, I was just outside evangelizing because two of the gifts that the Lord gave me, one is preaching the word of God in an expositional way, verse by verse, showing people that don't really know what the scriptures say, how they apply to him. So the second gift that the Lord blessed me with is the gift of evangelism. So I go around to every person in the prison, one person at a time, and I bring the gospel to them. So I just came in from outside witnessing doing the gospel just a little while ago. Amen. People come in now. So I was out there witnessing to them. I always come up to them and I tell them, listen, I got two questions that I need to ask you. First, my name is Brother Wesley. I tell them what I just finished telling you. I preached the word of God in Maxon Security for 20 years. Six years ago, I came over here to open the service for me. Then I show them the papers, showing them. Because on Sunday morning, we got a, a pamphlet that we hand out to all the people that come in. So I show them the pamphlet, and I show them one of the services where I was preaching the Sunday morning service as a guest speaker. And then I show them the back, all the Christian services that come into the education building. And mine is on the Wednesday night, so it's in the middle of all the different services. And once they see that, then they're kind of ready to listen. So then I said, well, look, I got two questions I need to ask you. First question, did you come in with all your cosmetics and gear? Do you have your soap, drilled and toothpaste? Do you have everything that you need? Because we got some people around here who are real serious about the Lord. We just want you to know that God loves you. We don't care who you are. We don't care what your charge is. We don't want nothing from you. We just want you to know that God loves you. We want to meet your need until you get on your feet. And then that seems to lighten their hearts a little bit because they've been, once you come to prison, you start losing people that you, that you love and they're not contacting you and they ain't got no money. So they're shocked when they hear that. And then I'll ask them the second question. And I'm saying this is the most important question. Have you ever before at any time ever received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? Or you, or do you or you not know what I'm talking about? And if they say they don't know what I'm talking about, then I'll say, well, look, let me explain the gospel to you. The word gospel in the Greek, it means good news. Now, this is the good news. The good news is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ has come into this world to die for sinners. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He died and he was buried. On the third day, God the Father resurrected him from the dead. And the Bible teaches that when you admit to God that you're a sinner, in other words, you know in your heart that you've done some S-H-I-T that's wrong, and you sincerely pray, and you ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior, at that moment, God the Father promises to take all your sins. All the crap you've ever done wrong. Nail that to the bloody cross of Christ where the Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood in his, for the sins of this world and then take the Lord Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness and impute that to your account and welcome you into the kingdom of heaven as a free gift. You can't work for it. You can't become a good little boy. You can't walk your lady across the street. You can't go feed the homeless. You can't stop looking at the women in the magazines. You can't stop swearing. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into God's kingdom. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has already done all the work for you. But if you reject that gift for any reason, and you don't come to Christ and receive him as your Savior, and you die before you receive him, the Bible teaches that you're going to go to hell. So my question for you is, would you like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? They say yes, I make a bow their head, pray with all their heart right then and there. And if they don't, I just step on off and I go on to the next person. Amen. That's what I've been doing for 26 years. Amen. And Brother Jaylon was my roommate. He's a soldier. 
So we sold the food in the room, you know what I'm saying? I, I preach messages about being a soldier uh, at the majority of service. That's usually my theme. Because God's looking for soldiers, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that, that's where I'm at. Uh, I covet your prayers. Everybody's listening as a believer. I covet your prayers. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Because um, I, I, I believe that the Lord is ready to deliver me. I got two petitions. I got a petition and a post-conviction application. And I got all the proof to prove that I suffered a wrongful conviction. So I, I got Amen. it. I just, you know, it's just... It's a, just, I ain't worried about it. The Lord gonna take care, but I covet your prayers and, uh, and, and I pray every day. So if you got something you need to be prayed for, I try to pray a couple hours every morning. Jaylon will tell you, just give me a name, give it to him. I'll put you on my prayer list and I'll lock you in 5.30 in the morning. I'll, I'll lift you up before the Lord. Hey, 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 Brother West, this is Brother Sowry here. Yeah. Hold yeah. on. Hey, Brother yeah. West, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, I'll speak a little louder. Hold on. Hold on one second. Hopefully we didn't lose him. Nope. Brother Wes. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm uh, uh, Sal, uh, Jaylon's brother and your brother in Christ. And it was, uh, this is definitely God's will, this call, because Jaylon was giving his testimony and about, uh, I don't know, 75% of it was had you involved. (laughs) And everything you said is exactly what he said and i just want to say i appreciate you and you you are amazing man doing god's will and i said to jaylon i said i want to speak to this man when he gets out (laughs) and i want to talk to him and god provided me a way to talk to you right now amen praise god praise god yeah uh i really um when i first came into the prison can you hear me yes i can hear you yeah, when I first came into the prison, uh, innocent man's life had got taken, and I was already a Christian. I was out there in the world in a backslidden position. And the pastor, his name was Pastor Sam Smith, he was over there doing Faith Christian Center, and he kept saying that, listen, if you don't stay in God's line, the devil's going to pull his dump truck up to the back of your house, and he's going to take all the blessings that God gave you. So I thought that that's what happened with me. So immediately, as soon as I came in, I just confessed everything I knew about what had happened, according to First John 1 9, with the Lord said, if you're faithful to confess your sins, God's faithful to forgive and to cleanse you for all unrighteousness. So I confessed all my sins to him, and then I said, look, all right, if the devil did that, then he just effed up, because now I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart. So for six, seven years straight, no TV, no cards, no ping pong, no chess, no nothing, just studying the Word of God. I was uh, uh, reading the J. Brennan McGee volumes and the John MacArthur study Bible, so... After, and then just reaching out, like I told you, to everybody that comes in the block, holding prayers in the block and all of that stuff, holding Bible studies in the block. And there was a Catholic priest in there. His name was Father Yancey. So he, uh, he, he, he was a Catholic priest, but he didn't care about the Catholic and Protestant stuff. He just loved Jesus. So he let me preach the last 10 minutes of his Catholic service every week. So everybody started coming down here to the Sunday service, and I was telling them, oh, you got to get born again, and you have to pray to receive Christ as your Savior. So long story short, about eight months later, about just doing that, no card, no ping pong, no chest, no nothing, the Holy Spirit fell upon me about 1 o'clock in the afternoon at D-Mod 206 Top and just woke me up with my whole body quivering and shaking, man. I couldn't believe it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I can't stop now. I, I know the truth. I know too much. You know Amen. 
So, so I, I'm like, there's a flame under me, and I, I just get about the Lord's business. That's all I do in here. There's nothing. I don't watch no darkness. Carolina, tell you, I don't watch no darkness. I don't do none. I stay focused on kingdom business. So I got 26 years of treasure stored up in the kingdom. I got more stuff up there than I do here. <laughs> Everything I got here is in my room. Not in my room, but the Jaber and McGee volumes and different kind of bottoms, I school books and all that. That's it. Hey, hey, brother West, brother West. Yeah. I was telling, yeah. these, I was telling these brothers when you first told me to come move in the cell with you. I was telling them like, Nah, man, I, I don't know, man. Brother West is in there living like a monk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Strong, you know what I'm saying? I love that brother right there, man. That's my soul. Hey, man. hey, hey, listen, brother. Oh, we, we're gonna wrap this up, though, man. Yo, man, I love you, Lynn. Call, right, man, love you, man. call me tomorrow. Hey, man, right. Call me tomorrow. We're gonna chop it up. You heard? All right, God bless. God bless. Thank you. The caller has hung up. Wow. Tell me that wasn't a gift from God. God. Isn't that a gift from God? Wow. Hey, man, that's a powerful man of God. And I know when he gets out here. That evangelism is not gonna stop, and um, that's his, that's his mission. That's his life purpose. That's where he gets his joy, Amen. you know, and giving the gospel, man. So um, I, I I thank you guys for just allowing me to come on here, not even to talk about myself, but just talk about talk about what God has been doing for me again. So I just thank you, brothers, for that opportunity. Thanks for your story. Yeah, and yeah. I pray, I pray God just blesses this podcast further, continues to expand, and uh, not just with my little old raggedy yeah. testimony, no. but whoever else comes on here, man, I pray God just blesses you guys, man. Like I said, you you are the perfect embodiment of what this is all about, and we thank you for coming on here. Yeah, well, and hope you listen to it, and hopefully any young kids that can straighten life makes a difference. Yeah. Amen. And and I'll keep you in mind when I need some plumbing. Amen. Yeah, right. Amen. Glory be to God. I hope, hope that comes to fruition. Amen. It will. You know, if everything else has come through for you, that's going to come too. Jesus. So we thank you, Jalen, for being on. Thank you, Al. Thank you, Sal, man. Really I appreciate, appreciate you guys. it. Have a great day. Amen. God bless.